Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. song to me, Alice, 1982. I fell in love with the song. Tell you the importance of that. That is the year I was furnished by my parents. What are you doing there? Nothing. Are we not recording? We're recording. I was furnished by my parents a Hitachi brand radio, my first personal radio, 1982, mm-hmm. which during uh, the uh, walking hours I would listen to that song Magic, which. I only listened to back then Magic 107, and I was like, "Wow, Magic plays the song Magic." To be honest, you just have magic stuff, <laughs> and I would so I would run to try to record when I heard the song, and I just sit there mm-hmm. and wait for it, wait for it, which of course means 1982 is when I got my um, is is also I, I when, once I got my own radio, I was absolutely tuned into talk radio, right for breakfast, lunch, and then dinner. Um, with the exception of Magic 106.7 to hear Magic, it made me so happy. 
and to try to run. You know, you had you had to in those days run and hit record if you wanted to record a song. And hopefully you didn't get the DJ in there, but but or hopefully you got the beginning of the song. You never knew. That's it. That's why I deserve to steal with Napster because I toiled with so many Americans when we had to run to a cassette to press play and record at the same time to try to get these songs and never again. And I had to sit there. I wasted so much of 1982 just waiting for the song to come on again. That and Heartbreaker by, um, by what's her name? Uh, why do you have Celine Dion? Yeah. Um, it's so long, Alice. I invested so much time in it, having to wait for the station to play it, that that's why I feel like it's okay for I for me to steal music, because I've invested so much time. If you're in 1982, I'm nine years old, Alice. That's a lot of time, a lot of my life sapped away waiting for that. So that's one of the reasons you want to know about my petty thievery, and this is going to be important for you to tell my story going forward. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons I'm a petty thief is that I was robbed of time. And so I'm entitled to units of various things, including all the music I want forever. It's incredible to me now that I just went into YouTube and hit magic. I'd never even known who sang it. It's America, by the way, until (laughs) now. All right. What are you doing there? What is getting your attention that's on that screen that's not me? Um, I'm just trying to understand. Um, Don't worry about it. Is it a work thing or is it a leisure thing? It's a bill thing. Oh, our bills. Yeah. Which bill is it? No, I'm just trying to see if our car insurance payment came out, and I can't find boring. it. Boring. <laughs> Who cares <laughs> no, about that? That's what I said. You don't care yeah. about it. I told Car insurance is boring. All right. Well, I do want to get to uh, just a couple of things today um, with Jen Pisacci today. Um, Jen Saki. so you remember that this story came out that a month or two ago, a bunch of healthcare uh, professionals got together and told the White House that they need to get testing out, to get tests out for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And the story came out, you know, a couple weeks ago or last week, whatever, and talked about that. And it was kind of a, kind of a, a bit of a huge story because the, the administration, obviously somebody made the judgment to not get anything out. And they didn't get anything out, right. which is astounding. So a, a reporter who I hadn't heard before today named uh, Steve Nelson from the New York Post asked Jen Psaki about this. So he's wanting to know who was there. This is accountability. So who's there in the room while you're doing this, among other things? Uh, thank you. Since there are so few reporters in here today, I'd like to ask uh, briefly about three transparency issues. Um, the first one I'm kind of amazed uh, hasn't been brought up more in this room. Uh, that is that Vanity Fair reported recently that on October 22nd, a group of health experts from Harvard, the Rockefeller, Rockefeller Foundation, and other groups proposed on a Zoom meeting with administration officials a plan to mass distribute coronavirus tests to homes before Christmas to prevent a winter surge of COVID-19 cases, but that they were told three days after that Zoom meeting that uh, that idea was dead. Um, So I emailed you about this yesterday and again this morning uh, so that you'd be able to track down a firm answer on two details here. Uh, The first detail is uh, which administration officials attended that October 22nd meeting. For example, did Drs. Fauci and Walensky participate? And was President Biden personally briefed at the time on that recommendation before it was passed over? I have the sound. Okay, so I'm starting right back right here again. If you're wondering what happened in in, in why suddenly Jen Psaki didn't answer the question, it's because my machine stopped recording because I hit a button that makes it stop recording. But now we're going to have him ask the question and get the answer again. I have the missing sound if you want it. I can give it to you. Nope. 
Uh, here we go. Here I'm is the question. I'm keeping this part in my video. Go, go ahead. Please keep. Uh, please keep. Including you, fake punching the computer. I am ashamed of myself that I didn't real punch the computer <laughs> thing. All right. It all, that one, I could say, was technically human error. So let's get the question again. And it's it's important to hear the wording of the question anyway okay. from this kid. Uh, thank you. Since there are so few reporters in here today, I'd like to ask uh, briefly about three transparency issues. Um, the first one I'm kind of amazed uh, hasn't been brought up more in this room. Uh, that is that Vanity Fair reported recently that on October 22nd, a group of health experts from Harvard, the Rockefeller, Rockefeller Foundation, and other groups proposed on a Zoom meeting with administration officials a plan to mass distribute coronavirus tests to homes before Christmas to prevent a winter surge of COVID-19 cases, but that they were told three days after that Zoom meeting that uh, that idea was dead. Um, so I emailed you about this yesterday and again this morning uh, so that you'd be able to track down a firm answer on two details here. Uh, the first detail is uh, which administration officials attended that October 22nd meeting? For example, did Drs. Fauci and Walensky uh, participate? And was President Biden personally briefed at the time on that recommendation before it was passed over? Well, maybe people haven't asked about it because we've done a lot of what was discussed in that meeting uh, that happened a couple. First of all, that is so smart-ass venomy. Mm-hmm. Maybe they haven't asked about it because we've done so much of it discussed in the meeting. No, you rejected the idea. The proposal was we need all sorts of tests. You said no. To also, dates matter, right? Right. Because the point was they said we needed more tests back in October. Mm-hmm. These experts came to the Biden administration and said we need to ramp up testing, da 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 da, da. And they didn't do it, blew them off because they were focused on vaccines. And then we had an Omicron surge against which the vaccines did almost nothing and nobody had any tests. So now, a month after the Omicron surge is going to be over, they'll start mailing people tests because it's we apply, you applied for them today that's yes. available, but they don't get mailed out for like another few weeks. Right. By the time we get these four tests for our family of six that you're supposed to do like three times during your illness to make sure it goes away like uh, right the surge will be long uh, of course over. meanwhile of course the, the the doctors said they needed it stat because everybody's going to be traveling for christmas which is also what um what the eventually fauci and walensky were saying and then biden was saying so somebody effed up. So who effed up? But she's now saying, oh, we did everything right. We've implemented so much since then. That doesn't matter since then. Like you said, it doesn't matter that I'm getting a test in a month. <laughs> it's all over. It's gone yeah, now. The it's over. already happened. Yes, the moment the passed. Test. Yeah, we don't need, uh, you know, uh, you know, 8,000 B-17s in 1954. We need them in 1942. Right. It's craziness. And and it's so funny because, I mean, like, Pfizer's doing the same thing. They're, like, doing the special Omicron vaccine, too, Mm -hmm. that will be available in March. By which point... Yeah, but them, I understand. They they sell drugs for a living. (laughs) This, and that... Alice, no one only do they sell drugs for a living, but don't you think Pfizer realizes that there's half of this country full of... Mask wearing adults will buy anything COVID related they make. <laughs> they will. Why wouldn't you? So, okay, so here's the rest of uh, Saki. Uh, n- after she belittles the question, well, we're doing such a good job, which is a huge F up. And for her to say, nobody's asking because we've subsequently did a good job, eh, no. 12 months ago, including massively expanding our testing program 
and capacity. And the issue at the time, which was a very small part of the That's conversation, was that the market had not expanded enough uh, to, uh, to, at that moment in time, be able to uh, launch the website we're launching tomorrow. The market hadn't expanded enough to be able to launch the website they're launching. Well, isn't that exactly the point of why experts were asking them to do something back then? Because there wasn't a market. And now by the time they send people out these COVID tests, there's going to already be COVID we're, tests available at the store and for free at the library and everywhere else. We're going to wait till the market really expands. <laughs> now it's expanding. That is such a it's such a ragtime answer. The market hadn't expanded enough. That's not an answer to that question. That's an answer you give right before the boss says, "That's fine. You're fired." Obviously, <laughs> the market hasn't expanded enough. You said you wanted to get testing out to everybody. Yeah, imagine why not? You're, you've got billions of trillions of dollars allocated towards these these uh, outfits. Why the freak not? Imagine if Biden had been president when um, you know if COVID first hit and he didn't order any vaccines or cause Operation Warp Speed to happen or any of that stuff because there wasn't yet a market that had expanded in the vaccine market. I mean, we would have no vaccines. We only have the vaccines that we have now, two years later, because Trump said immediately when this happened, we are going to promise you that if you get this vaccine developed, we're going to buy 100 bajillion vials of it. So here you go. Right. The the, the idea is that you just saturate the market. What do you mean the market? The market is ideally 320 million million Americans. the The market is right there. It has expanded from coast to coast. It's been doing it over the last 300 years. There's your market right there. What is it? What, they didn't hear loud enough clamor? The market hadn't I think, expanded. I thought they were saying the production market hadn't expanded. Is like, nobody's the, making enough tests yet, so we can't give you tests. I don't know what it means. That's why I think it's a ragtime answer. And the president uh, you know, used the Defense Production Act, invested $3 billion to expand it, quadrupled the size of our oh, testing capacity, and now we've ordered 1 billion doses. So we see that as our COVID team. The market hadn't – okay – so if she's not talking about the consumer market, she's instead talking about the production market. Well, who's in charge of that? Whose fault is that? If you're so proud about the defense production ask, then why not Why not have used it last summer? Well, and I'm curious, But too, why do you think they didn't? Why do you think they didn't? Because they wanted people to take vaccines. Exactly. And they thought they, they're could, obstinate. they could declare victory on covid on vaccines so i'm curious too because governor baker announced today um that he's procured 26 million covid tests rapid covid tests for school kids Mm -hmm. so instead of having the school nurse test people at school they're going to have the schools give the rapid covid tests to the kids to take home Mm -hmm. which i don't see anything that can go wrong there well, at all, but um, but anyway, so now it's going to be they want parents to test the kids at home instead of making them get tested at school because it's like too much on the school nurses that they have to test all these kids all the time. And they also want to take the emphasis off of the PCR tests, which are too sensitive, as we've known for a long time and have talked about before in the past on the show that uh, especially if you're PCR testing asymptomatic people, you can detect little bits of virus that are not contagious mm-hmm. at all anymore. Um, so but they're finally acknowledging that PCR tests are 
are too sensitive. They want to remove the emphasis from PCR tests, switch the emphasis to rapid tests, and they want to. But of course, and that's that, that's nifty. And I, I heard from people today saying that they go to a school and there's a huge bucket of tests there you can grab. But I but, also wonder, though. Yeah, let me fill okay, the rest of the The members who participated saw that as a very constructive meeting, a good meeting, a lot of which we've worked to implement. Yeah, a lot of which, not the big part of which, which is why the reporter is asking. But the other thing, Alice, is that we both saw today the Massachusetts wastewater COVID testing. The virus is leaving as quickly as it came. Yeah. It's shooting out the door right now. This is finito. It must be because we wore masks. It is finito. By the way, I saw somebody else on Facebook actually literally write, I wear masks for you. I get the vaccine for me. I wear masks for you. You know what? Uh, okay, I'm not going to... But no, but they're going to literally declare victory when the Omicron wave goes away. They're going to be like, see, we did it, guys. We all wore our masks, not like those troglodytes in Florida. We made the virus go away with our mask wearing. Good for us, guys. Excellent job. And then, like, next year... In the summer, when Florida's cases go up and Texas's and Hawaii's and Arizona's cases all go up, they're going to be like, see, it's because they're stupid and they don't wear masks. Not like us. Like, are, how many times can we replay the same movie? I'm just wondering because I'm getting a little tired of it. Well, they're going to keep playing it. But it is, it is unbelievable, unbelievable that now we're doing this. And the news is not saying, you know, they're saying... Fauci, quietly optimistic. No. Look at the cases. Look what's happening. They're plummeting everywhere. Yeah, so they're going down. Right. Because there's go- a winter wave. Right, and they're going down. So why are we going to test every kid in, in three weeks? Now, what? So more kids have to stay home for Speaking five or ten which, days? I was supposed to go to a den meeting for one of our kids for Cub Scouts tomorrow, and it's canceled because the den leader's kid just tested positive for COVID. Why are we testing so- more kids for COVID? <laughs> Why are we? Why? It's a cold. It's a goddamn cold. Really, Alice? At this point, it's a cold. Why Especially- are we testing anybody? You're just looking for stuff. To- you know what? Why don't we run everybody's advanced blood work, too, so we can find some more shit to be scared about for the next year and a half of our lives? Enough of this crap. You're coming up a little soft, Alice. Say hello, hello. Maybe I'm just not yelling like you. Hello, 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 hello. There you go. Um, uh, okay. Uh, okay, so let, let me listen, play you the follow-up to this question. The kid actually, once again, I call him a kid because he seems uh, scared. His name's um, Steve Collins, uh, Steve Nelson. Um, so the idea, though, to mass distribute tests to homes before Christmas and New Year's, that idea was not adopted. Um, how can uh, President Biden shut down the virus if he's you know, not being briefed on these ideas? Uh, that, I mean, that's my question. So I'm wondering, uh, who were the advisors and was President Biden briefed on this idea at the time? Well, I, I think I just answered your question, uh, which... He asked who were the advisors for the second time now. She did not answer that question. He wants to know if Fauci, if the biggies were in there. Mm-hmm. And you know what else? They probably were. Of course they were. You may not have been listening. Maybe you were waiting to read your next question, Here. which is fine. But I just answered your question. Let me finish. Let me finish, Stephen. Stephen, I'm finishing. Uh, what I said to you just a minute ago is that we did not have the capacity at the moment. Now, there are college overeducated idiots right now saying, yeah, sucky bomb, without ever bothering to think that maybe they should be interested in why this information was passed along to their precious uh, public health icons who decided out of purely self-preservation mm-hmm. to pipe right down 
and just echo what Biden said. Uh, we had a very constructive meeting with this group. Uh, we agreed in the need to expand our testing capacity. That's why we quadrupled the size of our testing capacity and why the president had already used the Defense Production Act to invest $3 billion. But the market did not have the capacity at that moment to do what we're doing tomorrow. Yes, I hear what you're saying, but that's not the question I asked. The question I asked was which Do you have which, another which, question? I think I've answered your question. Which President Biden briefed at the time? Again, I've answered your question. If you have another one, which I'm advisors? happy to answer it. Which Otherwise, advisors? I'm going to move on to the next person. I didn't get the answers there, but I'll move on to another one. Great. Now, that is a Bob Woodward level bombshell. It really should be considered there. Mm-hmm. They had the conversations they were told of the testing. The administration said, no, no, thanks. We know better. And then the administration then went out and said they were going to have the stuff at Christmas, and then they didn't have the at Christmas. You would start to wonder maybe this series of cock-ups um, <laughs> should be attributed to who exactly. But no. And no one in the White House, that's for sure. So now here's... Here's another question. This shows you why nothing gets done there and why she feels comfortable condescending. Because listen to this tiny-brained person named Colleen Long from the AP ask uh, Jen Psaki a question on voting rights. What's plan B if, if things go south, you know, to secure elections and ensure voting access if the bills don't pass? Well, uh, as you all know... The- you heard that question. Mm-hmm. What's plan B to secure elections and protect voting rights if the votes don't pass? What's plan B? What else do we have, Jen? What else do we have? <laughs> Holy How will we stop the crisis in democracy? Holy suck. How do we end Jim Crow, Mrs. Pasaki? Is there a way to do it? To do it? Man, these people suck. Suck. That kid from the post was good, although she, of course, stepped on him. But, um, and, and, uh, and, uh, deflected, but... Holy goodness, Alice, you got to be freaking kidding me. In other news, uh, at the World Economic Forum, um, you may, I don't know if you saw this at all, World Economic Forum, this guy Schwab, yeah. uh, Herr Reich Minister Schwab, <laughs> um, who sounds to me like a fairly high-level SS officer, spoke to everybody and had some uh, just wonderful things to say about China. I mean, if you had an American, I don't know how much is this remote, but if there was an American presence there, this is when you leave. China has made significant economic and social achievements under your leadership. In the first three quarters of 2021, China's economy grew by over 9%. You have achieved a historic goal to become a moderately prosperous society in all respects. Mr. President, I strongly echo your remarks in print. This piece of crap, um, Bavarian dirtbag, is giving a Lewinsky to somebody who's running death camps, among other things, who celebrates segregation, among other things, including murder, and who's just unleashed a global goddamn virus. And this freaking stupid German piece of crap hun is doing this. Sorry? No, I mean, it's bad that he is, obviously. Um, But I think that that's like the... Obviously, all the world... Look at the WHO! Germany blows. You know, and what well, they're doing with Russia so, in not allowing uh, the British to fly flights to the Ukraine over German airspace. 
Jesus, British. <sighs> tra- tra- but but I think that what's uh, you know all of these like global groups and organizations are all totally weak and useless and have to like bow to countries like China. Otherwise, they don't work. You know what I mean? Like they're just not. They're all like this. You know, this time last year, the WHO was telling us that COVID couldn't be transmitted, or not last year, two years years ago. ago, It was telling us that COVID couldn't be transmitted person to person. Remember that? When they've been having cases in China. So I don't trust any of these, like, (coughs) global bureaucrats. None of them are capable of doing anything effective. They all are going to, like, bow to the worst actors in the world and they are i mean like the the only chance for planet earth is you know individual countries that have strong enough interest to do something about places like china like the united states for example meanwhile if if you can china is investing in every single country their belt and road initiative goes really between the between the maritime uh aspects of it and the land aspects Mm -hmm. they have influence now Political and uh, financial influence in pretty much most of the globe at this point. Mm-hmm. That is a problem. Right. Buying tons of American <clears throat> land. Look, even what happened at the beginning of COVID, where they shipped thousands and thousands of N95 masks out of this country. They had Chinese mm-hmm. nationals going into stores like Lowe's and Home Depot and buying cases of N95 masks while they were telling the world that nothing was happening and COVID couldn't be transmitted person to person. And they were shipping uh, our N95 masks out of the country. By the way, just to, to dovetail with that, mm-hmm. was there anybody of um, prestigious uh, station who was at the same time telling us not to buy N95 masks? Mm, yeah, a certain Dr. Anthony Fauci Correct. was telling us that. Interesting timing. Yeah, so, I mean, China's obviously just, like, bad. We probably shouldn't even be having our athletes go there for the Olympics, to no, be honest. No, what are we I mean, we're doing? already doing, like, the diplomatic, like, we're not sending our yeah, people there. But, but, yeah, but we should be pulling out our athletes, especially since, like, Beijing is going to spy on them and stuff. Yeah, like, I, I honestly think, Alice, that... that that some of our elected leaders, I heard one Republican senator mention. Or, or no, I don't think was, at this or, point or, or, it's like safe no, national security I heard a to Republic, have all these on one of the Sunday shows. There. On one of the Sunday shows, a Republican senator or governor, I think it was a senator, said it's good that we're that we're not in, that we're not participating in the Olympics, and I think that he thinks that it's more than just our diplomatic corps. And I thought that originally, too. I thought, oh, we're not going to the Olympics. Wow, this is big. But it is just a diplomatic corps, which is yeah, nonsense. Yeah, all the athletes are still going. And, I mean, we're like, giving them money. They're making money off of this thing. We're showcasing. NBC is showcasing this freaking country that just spread COVID around for the last two years, for God's sakes. Yeah, we're letting them have a PR win when they're running concentration camps and, like, gave us all COVID and our... I mean, like it's it's so terrible, and it's terrible like that we're just letting it happen and not doing anything about it. Like, meanwhile, patting ourselves somebody... in the back about being really good people. And yeah, really we need people. to take like really strong actions on China, and we need to do it soon, and we need to prepare. Like, there's all this discussion about the Ukraine and whatever, but we need to be talking about Taiwan and the South China Sea too, because this is like it a a really big and mm-hmm. pressing problem that. 
like we need to at least look like we're going to do something about this because they're going to invade Taiwan and Taiwan can't really do anything about it, you know? So, I mean, I don't know. I think in the long term, I think China's growth is in some trouble because among other things, you know, they kind of waited until too late to stop their one child policy. And now their their population is not growing mm-hmm. enough to support the old the aging population right um but you know so i think in the longer term they're not going to be as strong as as they seem like they should be on paper right now but but i think that the next like couple decades are going to be very very dangerous with china i mean russia too but in different ways obviously you know russia doesn't so have there a are billion a bunch of these articles in columns like, here's one from the WSJ. Uh, the slow meltdown of the Chinese economy. Beijing's troubles are an import, an opportunity for the U.S. if Washington can, can recognize it. Mm-hmm. Um, and China is experiencing a slow-motion economic crisis that could undermine its stability in the current regime and have serious negative consequences for the global economy. Despite the many warning signs, Western analysts and policymakers are optimistic that Xi Jinping is up to the task of managing the crisis. Such, such optimism is mi- misplaced. This is a, an editorial from the WSJ. Mm-hmm. The U.S. and its allies have many tools to influence China's economy and need to weigh the consequences of an acute crisis against the threat its current trajectory poses to the U.S. Uh, policymakers should be thinking of how best to deploy these tools instead of passively assuming the rapid growth and stability of the Chinese economy will continue. It's interesting this is written from the viewpoint of having to support the Chinese economy mm-hmm. <coughs> because... Everybody depends on their markets. So in December, real estate developers China Evergrande and Keza joined several other over-leveraged firms in bankruptcy, exposing hundreds of billions uh, in yuan and dollar-denominated debt to default. Real estate represents about 30% of the Chinese economy, nearly twice the levels that led to the financial crisis of 2008 and in the U.S., Spain, and England. The real estate industry has been key to keeping annual growth above 6%, yet a debt bubble, and this is with growth that the Herr Reich Minister Schwab was just... Mm-hmm. was just present, Yes. Yet a, a debt bubble has inflated by 20% annual between 2014 and 2018. Originally intended to accommodate rapid or- urbanization for the industrial economy, the urban property market is now overbuilt. Some 90% of urban households own their own properties, and enough vacant units are available to accommodate 10 years of urban immigrants. In other words, not enough people. Sales and prices have tumbled this year, and over-leveraged mm-hmm. builders and creditors, it's like the Seaport District, are suffering the consequences. Well, not as bad, though, because at least, like, in the United States, and, you know, people complain all the time, like, China builds all this stuff. They build all these fancy railroads. Look how fast they build these buildings. Whole cities, like, spring up overnight, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's crazy, and people are always like, why can't we do this building here? Like this, well, for one thing, we don't have an authoritarian government that can just tell people what to do. Right. So that's like a well, we don't have. We don't also don't have Uyghurs. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, we don't... Like, you know, we have red tape. Like, you have to deal with local municipalities and eminent domain. Like, mm-hmm. China doesn't have to deal with all these little details no. and union prevailing wage laws. They they have a lot. Of, so people always complain that, like, we don't have as much growth and, and building an infrastructure as we could if we, like, let our government do more stuff like China's does. But... Which is true, but now they've overbuilt. You know, they've overextended. And I've read, like, a couple articles that have basically said that they've, like, 
built too much stuff. So they yes. have like these abandoned ghost cities and stuff. Yeah, which and, are like, really cool looking places. After a major change in how central and local governments divvy up tax revenue in 1994, Chinese local officials began to rely on land sales for the income needed for improving infrastructure and social welfare. At a minimum, one-third of local government revenues is derived from land sales. Another 10 to 15% come from related taxes on development. But land sales fell by more than 30% in late 2021, putting local finances in jeopardy. Local governments have struggled to address other priorities, such as health care, pensions, environmental cleanup, income inequality, and education. Moreover, up to 80% uh, 80 of household wealth in China is in real estate holdings, a hedge against a weakness of the social safety net. In other words, an economic meltdown is a potential threat to the implicit social compact in China between authoritarian rulers and a uh, quiescent population. Quiescent? Mm -hmm. Q-U-I-E-S-C-E-N-T? Yeah, I think like acquiesce. Okay. In his zeal to reassert the dominance of the Chinese Communist Party, Mr. Xi has engineered a crackdown on some of China's most innovative industries and the entrepreneurs building them. The party channels credit to state-owned uh, enterprises to the detriment of the more dynamic and job-creating private industry, inserts operatives on management committees oh God, of most enterprises, and disciplines business leaders perceived to resist Mr. Xi's leadership. The clampdown on new... So this is like... The, the reeling in of the capitalist democratization mm -hmm. of yeah. China. Um, clamped down on new industries such as ride-sharing, private education, and social media and online and private healthcare is especially damaging to growth. Mr. Xi is privileging the less productive and less innovative components of the Chinese economy while enhancing control, limiting financing, and punishing the entrepreneurial leaders in many leading industries. This is a recipe for maintaining strong economic growth. Despite the frequent assertions that China is catching up or moving ahead of the West in, tech, in technology industries, it, is, uh, it has a long way to go to achieve the self-sufficiency and global leadership it seeks. U.S. sanctions on advanced semiconductors, for instance, have gutted Huawei's, Huawei's, Huawei's ability to make its own 5G phones. Chinese, China's semiconductor industry is 10 years behind world leaders, according to the recent German study. China's commercial aviation industry doesn't have an internationally certified jet to compete with Boeing and Airbus, despite three decades of concentrated efforts. Its biopharmaceutical industry failed to produce an effective vaccine for COVID. Steel, batteries, and high-speed rail, where China is competitive, are at risk of trade retaliation due to environmentally harmful production practices and the theft of intellectual property. China's alleged uh, lead in artificial intelligence could be blunted by imposing the same limits on data flows into China that it imposes internally, thus sapping its monopoly on big data and by limiting U.S. investment in Chinese AI firms. Chinese, China's overall productivity levels also lag those of other advanced economies. Mr. Xi's turn to state-owned enterprises and manufacturing clearly won't improve this relatively weakness. Uh, just the closing paragraph is a major slowdown or acute financial crisis in China would certainly have a negative impact in the global economy. But U.S. and allied policymakers do have tools that could both influence the direction of the Chinese economy and help repair some of the accumulated damage to their economies from Chinese mercantilism. At first step is to undermine the narrative of a relentless, unstoppable economic advance under Mr. Xi's leadership. So it's funny because... I hear this in passing, and I hear in this Wall Street Journal, um, I guess it's an op-ed here, 
Mm-hmm. But I don't think... First of all, I think it, it, it's dangerous because it makes them more desperate. Mo- right. A lot of these Belt and Road initiatives that are China, China doing infrastructure through Africa and through Europe, et cetera, in a- Pan-Asia, whatever, mm-hmm. are... These are Chinese loans. They're making monies on the loans, certainly. Mm-hmm. You know, so you get a free port, um, but the Chinese are are loaning the money, uh, and so it seems to me the more the economy falters, with as you said a uh, population deficit, the more desperate they're going to become. Well, right, and the I mean the time is sort of now for them, like before economically they get in trouble, which is like why I think they're especially dangerous right now. And the U.S. is looking especially weak at the moment, in particular, like our military and stuff. You know, is spending all this time on like equity and diversity and whatever, and like doing little dances in the barracks and not, uh, you know, like making sure we can <laughs> stop China from right. doing whatever they're celebrating firsts. Yeah. So, and and I think that like I think that she and Putin are laughing when when this stuff is going on. I don't think it's a positive. Like I think that they need to dial it back with this kind of nonsense with the army. And now they're getting more desperate to recruit because so many people have been quitting. They're like mm-hmm. offering bigger signing, signing bonuses, bonuses mm-hmm. than ever because because like so many people are quitting or don't want to join with all the like COVID mandates and the wokeness and the whatever. Like you couldn't come up with a more effective strategy to have our you know, to weaken our army than what they've been doing. It's incredible. Totally agree. Totally agree. I mean, it is It is just a, the several factors at once. All right, let's move on here to uh, my new favorite person in the world, Alice. Mm-hmm. Who's actually a member of the judiciary, a gentleman named Gorsuch. Mm-hmm. Who's my new favorite guy? Mm-hmm. This is from uh, somebody says that Nina Totenberg from NPR reports that one, the chief justice asked his colleagues to mask up out of respect for Sotomayor's health concerns. She has diabetes. Two, and only Gorsuch refused. Three, his refusal forced Sotomayor to participate in arguments and conference remotely. Good for him. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah, it's Sotomayor is the other coach at the softball game demanding that because one person on the team doesn't feel comfortable, even though the mask mandate is lifted, everybody else has to all wear masks. And, you know, the chief justice is like the coaches on our softball team who were like, yeah, totally. We'll definitely all wear masks if that makes you feel comfortable. Sure. You know, like why? Who made the chief justice in charge of other people's faces like i don't get it can you tell them what else to do too i just it's so absurd it's so absurd she's had all the vaccines there's no reason for it it's ridiculous that like it doesn't make any difference especially if they're cloth masks i mean who knows i don't know what they all wear for masks but you know for them to imply that if he put on a cloth mask, she would be safer than with him sitting there with nothing on. It's just absurd. <laughs> right. So why are we playing this game anymore? Right. Stop pretending. Right. But but I think that it's great that he's doing that. And I think that we need more people doing that everywhere. Just not totally. putting on masks wherever you go. And, totally. you know, if other people are so 
out of touch with reality. But Sonia Sotomayor showed that she's out of touch with reality the other day. She thinks there's thousands of children on ventilators all across the country and that, you know, COVID is sweeping the nation. She's not living with us in the real world. So if she's that scared of COVID, then she should put on an N95 and a face shield and, you know, leave other people alone. Speaking of which, the Biden administration uh, is making N95s available for free, too. They're going to use some of our strategic stockpile and give them out free at pharmacies now. So... It's weird. Wow. I seem to recall somebody writing a Substack last summer saying that uh, if N95s are what works, that there should be. We all get a souvenir a- uh, memorial um, <laughs> mask now that the COVID, now the pandemic's over. Mm-hmm. Here, take one to remember it by. It reminds me of my grandparents <laughs> used to have the, the, so if there's a nuclear explosion because of the Russians, this is what you should do, booklet in their house. Um, and it was like, a, you know, it was a fun souvenir of the time when you had to worry about that. Well, there we go. Um, let's see. Uh, that's pretty so much. So what do you think will happen with these vaccine mandates? Like Boston and a bunch of the other crazier cities around here are now saying like you have to be vaccinated to go to the gym or go to indoor dining or entertainment venues and stuff. Like what's going to happen with that? Do you think they'll keep it going into the spring? Like they just started. I think the kid one doesn't even take effect till February. I think the adult one just took effect February, January. I think 15th, that they'll, they'll, now- they'll keep it because that that the Charlie Baker, Governor Baker, and and a lot of Democratic leaders, other Democratic leaders, mm-hmm. will want to make it appear as if they are shepherding the virus to its end. How long will they keep it? Till there's like not one more case. Uh. The mask mandate? No, the vaccine mandate. The you have to be vaccinated to like go into a restaurant in Boston right now. Like we can't take <laughs> our can kids. You, imagine? you can't take your kid to a restaurant in Boston if they're unvaccinated. By the way, Jerry Callen makes a great uh, mm-hmm. point on Sotomayor. A woman who thinks a hundred thousand kids are hospitalized and Omicron is as deadly as Delta doesn't understand how COVID works. He's absolutely right. She's yeah, worried about her uh, her uh, thing. I think that Massachusetts... Which is fine. Like, you can believe whatever you want. It's a free country. I'm not trying to ban her for spreading misinformation or something, but we can't all live life on the basis of the craziest person in the room at any given time. Right, well, but but the the mayor, like Michelle Wu, she's a full, woke, insane person. And so right now she's saying that, that everything has to be shut down, and if you protest against her, it's racism. And So they go right from offensive and aggressive and oppressive to victim they can switch like that and so it's they rather it's it's all performative i'm performing the mask and now i'm performing victim i'm performing mask and now i'm victim so i think that it'll go i think um let's see what would a good date because they're not going to ruin the op or they're not going to um uh, what's that called? Not gonna, they're not going to lose the opportunity, squander the opportunity mm-hmm. to not make it count. So maybe it'll happen. What's a what's a good day coming up? Uh, evacuation day? Well, that's Massachusetts centric, though. That's uh, but Boston's in Massachusetts. I I understand that, Elf. <laughs> I understand that. I I. But I'm saying is that a lot of these things come are going to be a national of out of national spirit national national origins and nobody else has evacuation day uh but evacuation day would be a good day symbolically for boston to and all it. the state hacks are off that day anyway 
And that way they they get to show that they're outside standing behind the governor and actually hard at work during the uh, the hack high holidays, how he car says. Um, so I don't know, right around there, I guess. It doesn't matter. Like, the cases are all about to go away here, except for some hospitalizations and deaths for people who aren't vaccinated. Some, some, you people know, more more, vac- people, more more people are vaccinated than ever thanks to Omicron. Right. That is another thing, too. How dare you tell people who got whacked by COVID, how dare you tell them that they don't have adequate antibodies to fight <laughs> against it? Like, that is such conjecture and horse bleep, if not just a, a complete falsehood. Mm-hmm. <sighs> but yeah, I don't know. I'm, like, concerned that they're going to try and drag this out with the vaccine mandates as long as possible. Because you remember, even when Governor Baker last year lifted the mask mandates, like, for outdoors last year at sports like our town tried to keep it longer and like boston's like twice as crazy as this town at least Mm -hmm. so i mean like baker's gonna probably get rid of some of this stuff soon but he's resisted even going back to an indoor mask mandate right statewide and he's made like an advisory like please wear a mask indoors but but i think that you know these cities are gonna try and outdo each other and keep these things on as long as they possibly can you know and then even after our town didn't have a mandate anymore like remember the uh the local grocery establishment i was booted from for not wearing a mask were you yeah really yeah. Oh yes. Oh yeah. And, yeah. Well, here's my feeling. Else, I, I, I don't see us needing to ever go to Boston again. Well, yeah. Lucky us. But I mean, like, no. I mean, there like, are I'm still serious, some people. Th- there's who... no reason for us to spend any or more money. And I, I've been at war with Boston since the parking ticket days, which reminds me, I've got a Lowell thing. We're just gonna have to blow that off. I think. Got a parking ticket in Lowell because my idiot boss at the time made me go into get the mail during COVID, and I got a ticket because it, I was in a Lowell connector. It's a long. Not a long story, actually, but it's a stupid story of a stupid man. And now I've got to pay because I can't take work off to fight a ticket. You know what that means? If To be at court at 10 a.m., that means that means clear the day. That means be be available from 10 to 4, Oh, man, that just sucks. It's going to make our car insurance go up, too. Maybe there's another way. There's not. That's it. I have to go in person. Yeah. And probably wear a mask, too. Maybe I can find another way. Maybe I know again. Maybe I'll, I'll talk. I, get, I know some people. Right? Uh, I think we're screwed. Okay. All right, Albie. What else is going on? Anything? Oh, you had a tough day today. I'm sorry. You know what? What I had the benefit of today what is I actually napped today. And, uh, oh, it's all different. It was only like 43 minutes. Last night, I believe at some point, my... CPAP became unhooked, and so I essentially just lay dying for most of the night until oh, I woke no. up this morning. Uh, but uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, your workday blew. I'm sorry about that. You make a, you know, we had talked about. We, I, actually, I won't put it in as far as your work goes, but we have generally noticed, and you guys let us know if you've noticed this too. We have generally noticed that just stuff ain't working right anymore. It's bizarrely dysfunctional businesses just i'll just keep it with businesses certainly all entire industries whatever but just Mm -hmm. like general stuff that seemed like it was a given is no longer a given 
anymore. I think remote office culture uh, is marking a huge shift. And I think that the ways that people treat work uh, are changing a lot. And I think that it's, and th- th- these are things, these are like generalities that I've heard from other people too, is that it's tougher in businesses where the expectation is that people like spend a lot of time at work and their work is also their social life and it's like a lot of team building and other things and like and stuff is meant to work for like people to be there right and now like we've gone so long with a lot of these offices in a lot of cities just being fully remote that a lot have like fully hired people like people have spent years at a company now and never been in the office of that company Mm -hmm. or worked in person with another employee well i think and this is what i found too even up till i was employed as a manager in an office last year Mm -hmm. we just had way too many meetings way too many meetings most of it which were were just kind of CYA meetings to show the corporate brass that we were walking the walk or something. It was it was not helping for me anyway. Then it was just not helping in the day to day. It was just not helping in the day to day. And then people during the meetings, there was always people. You guys know this. There's always people trying to impress people during the meetings. There's a person who doesn't want it to end. There's a cute jokes. There's a cute, oh god. So happy to not be in management anymore. Uh... Yeah, I think um, I think a lot of people are finding that office culture has gotten like very weird with the never-ending pandemic and the people never going back to the office now, no matter how much jobs are trying to get them to go back to the office. I mean, and I think that that's like partially. I think that it's another reason why. Some people, especially in like the manager class professionals, are reluctant to let the pandemic end because I think a lot of them don't want to go back to the office. I mean, I think I think so many people don't want to have to go back to the office that I think that going into the office is going to continue to stay optional throughout like big portions of the economy. But I think that there are people that feel that they're going to have to start going into the office again once this is like officially done and Mm -hmm. over and they don't want to. So they're saying like, no, I still don't feel safe. My childcare is still unstable. Like, I do think that there is, and I'm glad that you don't have to go in but I do think that there is, for some things, including my own job that I have right now mm-hmm. uh, on the radio, uh, it is better being there in person. It definitely is is better. I mean, there are trade offs certainly, and I have everything here that I would have at a studio. Almost everything. I mean, I get more buttons, and I mean, it's different. A radio studio kind of brings you alive. The humming of the board, all sorts of lights mm-hmm. and stuff happening, and it's pretty cool. And I get you get to see a producer right there, and you can shoot the breeze and talk and et cetera. And like when I'm when I'm here doing it, I'm like in the undersea um, ballads ballads undersea you know uh, submarine, looking at parts mm-hmm. of the Titanic where I'm communicating with the main ship, but I'm not looking at the guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I think it's. I mean, obviously, I think a lot of like corporate type people want everybody in the office because they want to know what everybody's doing all the time. Um, But but I think that there is something weird about and, and maybe it's a good thing in the longer term, but it definitely makes you less like emotionally connected to your workplace if you've like never worked with any of the people in person. 
Yeah, I think that's true. I think you can find a certain camaraderie by working with people. Mm-hmm. I think that there are things that, that color the day wonderfully, including like gossiping, clicks, and this and that. I think that along the lines of camaraderie, people going out to lunches, out for beers maybe once in a while, et cetera. Those are all important in, in cool things. I think that you, you what you don't have, which is is you don't have cabals of of uh, workers who are kvetching about management, which is a good bonding thing. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, it's what you do, especially if you're a line level person, whatever. You just, just you know, what does he do anyway? You know, like that. Which, but yeah, which... but I mean, but you see it like with kids, right? Like that kids social life is really school. So when we took school away from kids for a long time, it really did a lot of psychological damage to kids. And so, you know, but there are a lot of adults, particularly like millennial adults who don't have kids yet and stuff, who their work is really their social life. Yeah. And like, so when you think about like, why did these, you know, deaths not from covid go up among younger people like the 18 to 65 group too you have to think there are a lot of people you know like young professionals who were also who are still also very isolated right like you know i mean like think about being that age right what if you're like 25 or 30 right and if you're if you don't have kids you like who did you hang out with People that you worked with. Right? Well, that's why you got to find the drunks. But if you're not one of those people, then. Well, yeah. So if right. you start working you... in a new office and you've only ever met them on Zoom. Well, like, right. I mean, and you don't I... have like. Well, and you're. Well, what if you're people. legit? What if you're legit scared of the coronavirus too? So you're just like literally binge watching stuff. So, oh God. Yeah. All right, no homie. No wonder overdose deaths are up. Anyway. Thank you, Alice, for ending on a bright <laughs> note. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so you can find us on Twitter at Burn Barrel Pod. Would you like to give MLK a, a, another thrashing? Are you done for this year? I didn't say anything bad about MLK. I just said that I don't know if he's the single most important uh, American ever. Okay. Is he? Yeah, I think he is. Absolutely. You think he's the mo- the single most important yes, American of all Yes, and Caitlyn Jenner time. is the, uh, yes. I think, is the second. And Fauci, yes. Okay. These are the people I think, because I'm a really good person. Uh, anyway, you can find us on Twitter, and uh, that's at Burn Barrel Pod. We're also at Facebook.com slash Burn Barrel Podcast, Burn Barrel Podcast.com. We're at Rumble. Never gets old, right? Right? <laughs> Kids love this. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 